I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. It's Inside Sources. I'm Ethan Millard filling in today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I, I really appreciate it. Very interesting movement afoot up on Capitol Hill. You know, we got the legislative session coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Starts in January. And it is, there is one bill up there that I think is really worth watching. Now, you know, this isn't going to radically change, you know, our tax structure like we talked about earlier or anything like that. But it is an artifact of this pandemic. And I know it's going to be looked at very, very seriously. Uh, it's being sponsored by Representative Spenlove, who is a Republican out of Salt Lake County. And what he wants to do is he wants a way in state law to be able to basically throw the book at people who attack doctors and nurses and other people at hospital. And that has been one of the most embarrassing trends that we've seen um, in the United States during the pandemic is the number of people that have just embraced such obviously antisocial behavior, like attacking flight attendants and attacking doctors and nurses. Uh, so is this new bill to increase the penalties for attacking a nurse or a doctor or another frontline, let's say frontline worker? Well, we've got Robert Spenlove with us right now. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to be with you, Ethan. So what gave you the idea for this? You know, it, I was actually approached by some healthcare workers who uh, asked me to, to work with them on this. This is, you know, kind of like you said, it's, it's a problem that's always kind of been there, but it's gotten really bad over the last year. We're seeing uh, our, our, our frontline emergency workers uh, being uh, attacked, and they uh, they're getting feeling more nervous. They're feeling like their their workplace is uh, is violent, and so this is a way to try to help address that. This isn't uh, this isn't a solution to the problem, but it's a tool that we can use. Uh, I read an article that was uh, uh, written by a doctor who was treating a COVID patient, and uh, he was unvaccinated, and his wife, this patient's wife, kept giving the doctor orders, ordering him to do this, that, and the other, you know, treatments that she'd read about, you know, a, a, a billion megadose of vitamin C, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and 
when it was over and the man passed away and the doctor went out to tell this man's wife that he had died, she broke his nose for not following her instructions for letting him die. She accused him of killing her husband. Uh, security was called. The doctor declined to press charges. He just said, hey, this family's grieving. This woman is grieving. I'm not going to take any further than this. And the family's allowed to go home. Why can't this be how we handle it? Well, I guess the question is, is it okay for us to condone violence among these uh, emergency workers? These are people who are working 8, 10, 12-hour shifts. They are working every single day to try to save our lives. And if we don't like the way that we're treated, if we think that a, a nurse or a doctor isn't, uh, doesn't treat us well, the, the solution should not be violence. We've got to, in our society, be toning down the violence. We've got to be addressing it, and we've got to be punishing those who perpetuate violence. Why, why are we seeing these attacks on healthcare workers? What is the cause? You know, I think a big part, so healthcare is inherently dangerous. You're, you're dealing with people at the worst time in their lives. And it's a very stressful situation. The, the pandemic has added a level of stress. The big part of it is we still have a lot of unknowns. You know, we don't know what the new, uh, the, the new variant is going to do. We don't know how sick we're going to get. We don't know when we go into the hospital whether we're going to come back out again. And uh, and it's just uh, raised, out, raised up this level of, um, of conflict. And it's not just hospitals. Like you said, we're seeing it in a lot of places where people interact, like on, uh, like on airplanes. airplanes. But well, they, but let me – let me... Yeah. Let me just dig a little deeper here because I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think we've really hit it because hospitals have always been a place of uncertainty. Hospitals have always been a place where families have gone not sure if they'll come out. Uh, a hospital has always been a place where people have ended their lives. There's, it's always been a place where there's been disagreement over treatment and disagreement over the path to take. And that's nothing new. Why is now in 2021... Why are we seeing all of these attacks now? I feel like you know. <laughs> I wish I did. I I, I think it is that uh, the the healthcare these healthcare workers are trying to encourage us to do the right thing. They're trying to encourage us uh, to get vaccinated. They're trying to encourage us to wear masks to to, to pre protect ourselves and protect others. But because of the this higher stress. In our society, people are just very upset right now. And I, I think I understand it, and I, I get it, but it's yeah. not okay. That's the bottom it, you're line. Right. It's not okay to be physically violent. It's not okay, and and I think this bill is correct. I think you're correct to to run this bill, but I also go back to something you said um, before, and that is this is not the ultimate solution, but I think it is necessary. But I think, and this is where I was going with it, and I think you kind of know this, but maybe it's a little difficult for you to kind of tiptoe around. But it's it's garbage politics is to blame for these assaults on healthcare workers. That it is politics and it is conspiratorial politics and fundamentalist politics that so many families have embraced. And that's what leading to the violence in the hospitals is because they feel like 
these doctors are on the wrong side politically. They're engaged in a political conspiracy. And so that's executed out in violence. I mean, don't you think that's the case? This is a manifestation of politics. Well, I, I, I think that's a component of it. But, you know, it, it is really hard to exactly tell. I mean, that there are so many different things going on right now. There, there are so many stresses. Families are falling apart. People are, are really struggling right now. And I think there's a, you know, a lot of different components that are adding to that. Yeah. Well, there are. And, you know, it's it's always a it's always fraught with emotion when you take a family member to the hospital in life or death situation, especially if there's a disagreement on treatment. But I think that we've seen enough to know that now we have in American politics a punch out the flight attendant caucus, a punch out the doctor or nurse caucus. And it's it's a problem. And, and I, I'm curious to know if what you think from your perspective as a political leader in the state, you know, this bill is not going to solve this problem of political violence. And I think that's what this is. I think, I think that these attacks on the frontline workers is political violence. Um, what do you think we could do to bring down the temperature level? You know, I, I think we need to start talking to each other again. I not, not talking at each other, not yelling at each other, not fighting over Twitter or Facebook. We need to be connecting again. And w this is one of the really scary parts of the, uh, of the pandemic is it's pulled us apart. It's stuck us in our houses. We're not interacting. We're not going out like we used to. And we've got to reassess our society and say, how can we come back together again? And even if we don't agree, even if we think that someone has different motives, We've got to figure out how we can come back together again. Yeah. Well, it's a tall order. I'm, I'm certainly not going to pin this on you and ask you to solve it for us, but I appreciate you being willing, to, Robert, to come on and, and spend some time. Best of luck with this, Bill. I think it's a great idea, and uh, and and hopefully it gives our frontline workers a little bit of comfort in knowing that even though they can't predict the actions of an unhinged person with violent political motives, um, they can at least feel like we're behind them. And I think that's really what this represents, Robert, is, is the state of Utah saying, hey, we're backing you guys up. We're here. We see your problem. We want to help. So thanks, Robert, for joining us. Uh, uh, Robert Spenlove is a uh, Republican representative from Salt Lake County. He's also an economist with Zions Bank. Uh, great resource for this show here on Inside Sources today. So we got we to grab a quick break. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.